Hi, and welcome to episode 326 of No Crying in Baseball, the screaming scab at eight-year-olds episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. <laughs> hey there. I'm, I'm really hoping that wasn't you screaming scab at the eight-year-olds, was it? Was you wouldn't it? really put it past me, though, would you? No, no, no. Maybe not screaming. Maybe muttering. muttering Maybe pointing muttering out scab? to like parents. Okay. That, okay. But actually, I didn't have to do that. So here's what happened to me. Okay. Um, I did my civic duty yesterday. I volunteered for our city's Monster Bash, which is the big... So cool. Pre-Halloween party where bunches and bunch like hundreds mm-hmm. of families come and it's a big costume thing. It's a costume contest. And you know how I like to judge. Um, I, <laughs> I was in charge of judging the overall group costume, which was super fun. It's like they're playing to my strengths. Patty's yeah. gonna have an opinion. Let's have her do sure. this one. But as I was walking around with some of the other judges, just sort of, you know, before things started, I noted that there were very few, like almost no Barbie related costumes, which seemed weird. Really? this year, right? And then I realized, come on, it's Tacoma Park. We support workers' rights here. It's probably a labor thing because you may or may not know that SAG-AFTRA is 100 days into their strike and they put out a notice to their membership to be careful about what they wear for Halloween costumes, saying they should not wear costumes or at least wear costumes where they might be posted publicly from struck movies and shows, including Barbie, including Marvel characters. Okay. Stick to general things like ghosts and skeletons and <laughs> spiders and those things. To which Ryan Reynolds jokingly, jokingly replied, I look forward to screaming scab at my eight-year-old <laughs> all night. She's not in the union, but she needs to learn. Nice. Yeah, so so this is the actors' union that is still on strike. The writers settled, miraculously. And, and at first they thought that the actors would kind of follow suit, but no... But no, the owners, like owners of everything, don't want to share with the actors. And, you know, to note that we see people like Ryan Reynolds, but most of SAG-AFTRA are like, you know, back up at, like people who have small bits, who do not have a lot of security, who do not In have insurance. In some cases, podcast hosts, hey. for instance. It's true, not me. But okay, no. I was going to say, <laughs> no, no. you have a side gig going no, on? I am currently not a yeah. member of a union, but I'm hoping to change that soon. Yeah. Happen, like it. On today's show, we've got World Series featuring surprise heroes. We've got records being set already and a handy guide to picking your team. We've got the front office shuffle featuring see you later but not goodbye to Dusty Baker and hello to Craig Breslow. We've got international baseball featuring a deep dive into Baseball United and the secrets out about those top two buttons. Cheers. I can't wait to hear about the buttons. I just want to clarify for those who watch on Instagram that I just filmed my usual video of of Patty and the microphone sort of cut off the letters under the pictures so that uh, on, on my t-shirt on the t-shirt yeah. right which is an important baseball t-shirt because it's sh- and and a grammar correction because it sure. shows the difference between when when you use a common when you don't for the words babe ruth so That's go right. to instagram to find out there what that go. means you can see the pictures just not the words very clearly so World Series stuff. Hey, that's I'm going to lead fun. with um, Emma Broyles, who is Miss America 2022 and the first Miss Alaska to win the title. Can you tell me why I've brought up Miss America 2022? She is dating somebody, and I don't know who. I don't remember. Corbin Carroll, oh, my right, friend. Right, right, right. That was it. <laughs> Corbin with, Carroll, who the is, man who is like all of a sudden playing baseball like a generational talent. Right. So oh, my God. The happy news about Corbin Carroll and why I'm definitely like smacking myself right now is he is my baseball boyfriend pick. The guys that we pick in the offseason, we're going to do that again soon. So stay tuned to the show if you want to hear more details about players. But we each pick one guy. I got super lucky and picked Corbin Carroll, so I really should know who my boyfriend's girlfriend is. And, you know, as I've been watching him more closely, because we've been seeing him more because of postseason, mm-hmm. we don't see um, the snakes very often. Otherwise, I've noted, like, he's never goofing around. He's never smiling. And I'm like, that's not right. And then I did a little more uh, looking huh. into the whole Miss America thing. And boy, does he have a nice smile on his face when his arms are around um, oh. um, Emma Broyles. So that's nice. Oh, I thought he, he was very chill and his, when he was on the Mookie Betts podcast. Like, uh-huh. He was a yeah. very, he sounded like, you know, that baseball boyfriend quality of being Excellent. able to hang out and have Good. a beer. And I think just for, like, being a, one of the youngins, and there are several of them on the, on the D-backs, He's chill. Like, he does not look stressed out. He's very focused. He's, yeah. The more I've been reading, he's so focused. He's a he's a list maker. I check things off as he does them. Very, mm. very focused kind of guy. For context, we are recording after game one and game two. So today is travel day from from the Rangers ballpark to, to Chase Field. 
so we're taking that time to record. So that's how you know it. That's right. where we are in the process here. So I watched game one and I thought, oh my God, this World Series, I have it all figured out. It's going to yeah. be super tight games. They're all going to go to the last second of every game and it's going to go seven games. Yeah. And that's when we had, uh, we, both of us independently, mm-hmm. we, checked, we checked in the next day and found out we fell asleep before the end, but at different points. Yes. None of us made it to the end <laughs> to actually see um, Elise Garcia's you know, walk-off home run. He, at that point, he had homered in five straight postseason games. Games. Yeah, to give us a little bit of a break that was in the 11th inning. It was so late. We live on the East Coast. I am like, it, it as I get older. No, it yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a school night. Yeah, it was. No, it was, it was, oh, it was, it was Friday, Friday night. night. It was after school. It was after day. school day. So I was tired. We worked all day long. But I'm increasingly jealous of West Coasters. Yeah. Because, man, that yeah. must be nice. No, for sure. For sure. So I had, like, this World Series all figured out. And then Game 2 happened. Mm-hmm. And Game 2 was a blowout in favor of Arizona. And the star was Merrill Kelly. And if you talk about the pitchers yeah. that are involved in the World Series, Nathan Avaldi, for right. instance. Max Scherzer, who's not on anybody's, like, great list right now, right. but is, you know, a big, big name. Even, even Jordan Montgomery, there are much bigger, yeah. well-known names. Merrill Kelly was a superstar last night, right? He was 35 years oh, old. Yeah. He 35. He pitched seven innings, 89 pitches. Crazy. Only 89 pitches, only one run, three hits, nine nine Ks. He was freaking amazing. Yeah. And this is, they they used, did we use the word journeyman? We, we were talking about the concept of journeyman, and that's mm-hmm. what he is. And that he had been doing so poorly previously that he left MLB and played in Korea for a while. So now, uh, according to both Daniel Kim and, oh shit, Jiho Yu, uh, I saw on Twitter mentioned that he is the first player ever at this point to have pitched a winning game in both the KBO championship with the SK Wyverns, who are currently the SSG Landers, and uh, that was in 2018, and now to have won a World Series game. So Wow. He's in history books. He sure is. He sure is. And his grandma apparently was in the stands to see him, so that was pretty nice, too. Oh. The other notable thing last night, besides it being a blowout, was um, Kato, um, Kato, is it Kato? Kettle? Kato? Kato? I always I, say it wrong. I say different. Every, I know. I say Kettle. Yeah, Kato Marte last night hit in a record 18 straight postseason wow. games, right? But what I didn't realize, they were talking about last night, these games are broken apart by several years because it's only postseason, right? So it's not oh. just the current postseason. The first four of those games were in 2017. And then he did not appear in the postseason again until this this season where he's hit straight in 14 games. Important thing about Keitel Marte is he's got us all tacos. Yeah, because yeah. I thought Corbin Carroll was going to be our, our stolen base taco guy, but nope, it was it was Marte. So thank you for the tacos. Yeah, and I picked Keitel Marte with the D-backs, I believe, Years ago. Yeah. I don't remember. I got to go back into our baseball boyfriend arca- yeah, archives sure. because that wasn't, it's nice to be able to look back. And you picked uh, Adolis Garcia also years I ago. Yeah. And I don't remember when. But yeah. all right. Yeah. That, we're we're, to, we're to, not to bad at that. Uh, no, no, not Sometimes our, the, the fault is that we pick guys too early. Yeah. Yeah, but, but then, then we they, could say we, you know, we right? Like Adelise Garcia, you probably picked too yeah. early because he had not been doing that well. And now, geez, talk about a breakout year and breakout biceps. So, but you got current guys that are, are... All right, yeah. Well, I talked about Corbin Cowell. He's doing well. So he's... This this rookie is uh, batting 296 with four RBI after the first two World Series games. Um, the other guy that I had picked is Nathaniel Lowe on the Rangers, and he has not yet hit in the World Series. So I am hoping... I don't know. So, you know, as we're watching, and I know you're about to go into this, I, I go back and forth with who I'm rooting for because I'm like, yeah. I like this guy. I'm going to root for this guy. I like this guy. I'm going to root for this guy. So I'm fickle. Yeah. So I was trying to come up with ways to like, uh, we had um, friends watching with us last yeah. night who aren't always watching games with us. They're not used to how we roll as much. But so we were trying to explain, oh, why we're rooting for this team and not that team, yeah. considering they're not the home teams and trying to, you know, assist, like you might want to root for them because of this or that. So I I made a handy dandy list, which you should feel free to add to. So okay. the cons, the like this, the cons are really social justice cons. Right. For Arizona, we talked about before, the team scabs, they've crossed picket lines. We don't like that. Um, for Texas, they're the only team with no pride night and the whole creed situation. So, okay. So those, <laughs> those are the two cons. And so then we've okay. got, so you, you may feel more strongly about one or the other. That's on you. But there's the pros. Let's talk about the pros. So for Arizona, Corbin Carroll, he wasn't, you know, fantastic earlier in the postseason. He is 
unstoppable yeah. right now. So he's just incredible to watch. I'm having fun, wa- fun watching Alec Thomas. And then Tommy Pham is always good for um, some <laughs> for some interest, for laughs, for what yeah. for whatnot. He hit a home run in game one, was interviewed and said, yeah, we're supposed to play small ball, but I can't do that. So I just went with a long ball. So he hit a home run. But then in game two, he went four for four and they were all base hits. He was like the king of small ball. And then the the base running kerfuffle where it was was mike maddox right who said you dumb fuck and got that on on camera like you just if you're in a dugout man you just camera's always on you but we all all went like well yeah Yeah. we we didn't disagree with him about that for sure so the the pros for the rangers i could watch Corey seager play defense all day long i love the left side i just i it's always bang bang it's 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 a pleasure to watch that man yeah. played baseball. Um, I'm way big fan of Evan Carter, who I just learned is the second youngest player behind Mickey freaking Mantle to start and then bat third in a World Series game one. Man. I mean, batting third is a place of honor. Starting the game, 21 years old, yeah. my friend. I have the here's what's putting me over the top. Okay. Chris Young, who's the general manager mm-hmm. of the of of the Rangers, and a, a couple years ago. He brought the manager at the time, Chris Woodward, to visit the Capitals, the Washington Capitals NHL team, to their training camp. Aww. And they were kind of doing a front office, like, what's what's similar? What can we learn from each other about things like using analytics, about negotiating contracts, about scouting? Like, they were, like, really comparing mm-hmm. notes, which is cool. Like, we're all about the cross-training. The reason he had that that way in, it turns out that the Caps team president, Dick Patrick, is his father-in-law. Huh. And the associate general manager, Chris Patrick, is his brother-in-law, who says he um that that Chris Young um that yeah Chris Young wears more cap stuff than Rangers stuff. So I'm <laughs> giving thing. the edge to the to the Rangers because uh, the other stuff is is bad, bad, good, good, whatever. That's the thing that put me over. Interesting. I mean, I, I totally get that. I'm I'm going D-backs because I like the youth. I like that they have four guys, 23 and under, in their starting lineup, which is crazy. Politically, I think that Arizona has a slight edge because the, the Rangers-Dallas-Fort Worth area is so conservative. Arizona oh, is also... Oh, you're going to the whole neighborhood. Yeah. Ooh, you're expanding. Check I'm you. Checking out. Well, it's it's a thing. They're sure. based there, and that's the fan base, right? And Arizona's not much better, but in the last election cycle, they did end up doing the right thing at the end, and Texas is Texas... So I just can't, although, and, and then also Texas has a role as Chapman. And whenever he's on the mound, I for cannot, sure. for sure, cannot yeah. root no, for them. I'm, I'm with you on that. Although I'm not hard and fast. Like, I think in general, I get excited to see the D-backs do well just because of the youth. And it's mostly the youth. It's mostly like liking those kids. But there are a lot of people on the Rangers that I get, like, I get super excited if Nathaniel Lowe's making a good place at first. And, and the pitching, I love Evaldi. Like, I couldn't root against him. Max Scherzer. Like, I want him to do well because he did so poorly last time. And I know that this make you know, this is a really big deal. So, yes, I'm not hard and fast. But overall, I hope the D-backs win. And the other reason for me to root for the Rangers is just to make us more interesting. There so, we go. So we can just slightly root against <laughs> each other with absolutely nothing to lose yeah. because we don't care deeply. We're just having a good time watching more baseball. And I think that's my real goal. I want seven games and yeah. I want it to be fun, close interesting baseball right and and people were complaining you know i mean there was that complaint about the the small markets for this game you know being rangers and and d-backs as opposed to if the phillies had gotten in but i do i think it's really interesting i think it's fun fun play to watch i do too i do too yay yay all right so what's happening with the rest of the league there is a little bit of management mayhem so there are several teams in need of managing either at the manager level or at the GM level. So, you know, if you're looking for a job, if you're on the hunt, here's some potential places that you could throw your resume and see what happens. So the Angels are deeply in need of a manager, somebody who can spin with or without Shohei Otani, depending on what happens um, in this offseason. Phil Nevin just didn't cut it. They had a rough year. Astros, I know you're going to talk about our dear Dusty who announced his retirement sniff. And and then, of course, you know, Tito Francona announced his retirement from the Guardians. So that's two guys who are not managing anymore, but they deserve it. Like it's it's their time. They've been in a long time. I wish them both the best. And both teams have a big hole to fill. 
Um, the Mets have to get their shit together in a lot of ways, but they decided that Buck Walter was no longer going to be steering that ship. However, he's not retiring, so he might slide into one of those other roles. Who knows what's going to happen? Because, you know, Melvin went from the Padres to the Giants, so now the Padres are in need. There might be just a little bit of manager shuffling here, so now the Padres are in need of somebody. And maybe... The Brewers might be in need of a manager because Craig Council is a free agent, so he could they could make him an offer. He could decide to stay. I think he likes it there. However, uh, the Guardians and the Mets have already asked for permission. Asked like you know the whole asking your dad for permission to to date. They're asking permission to date Craig Council, and so we'll I would see. love to see him go to the Guardians. That yeah yeah that would be good. Yeah. All right. So it's a GM, the next level up, GM or head executive position, depending on the team and how they're configured. We know Miami. We talked. You talked about Kim Ang last week, um, and the Mets. I don't know how I missed this. Did we? T- we didn't we, talk about. You know this. what? We Did talked t- about it while you were gone. Um, Alexander oh. and I talked about it. Yes. And I listened, though. I guess yeah, I didn't listen. You, I would air quotes around the I word listen. Did, I right. don't know. Well, Epler resigned yeah. October fifth, which was right. At, yeah, when I was out of town because of use of. Um, questions around his use of the IL. But, you know, (laughs) the Mets didn't do so well. So I don't know how big of a deal it was. Anyway, if you are in the GM level of things, you can look for Miami or the Mets. A couple of new hires have happened, however, when I wasn't looking. I don't know. I don't think you guys talked about the Tigers hire of Jeff Greenberg, who had 11 years of experience in the Cubs front office. And then he was in hockey most recently. He was with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then now he's... More cross-training yeah. with the NHL. Look at us go. So you have transferable skills. So sure. maybe you weren't in the MLB, but you can, you know, look at these jobs. I am very excited because last week I foreshadowed that if the Red Sox were to hire Craig Breslow, that I would have more things to say. So I have more things to say. I was just <laughs> able to cut and paste my notes that I sort of shelved from last week because I knew we were going too long and say, I feel excited and I know that my dad is excited and there's it's just really nice to have some after two years of last place finishing it's really nice to have a little bit of hope that things might change and last week my big um complaint was it seemed like nobody wanted the job and the Red Sox had been um in uh interviewing all over or trying to interview all over but now there's a lot of questioning of that because it seems like Breslow actually got hired faster than Chaim Bloom did in in between job posting and actual hiring. And there's all sorts of conspiracy theories out there that Breslow was Like they were already dating before the breakup? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he was in from the start. He's buddies with Theo Epstein. And that's one of the things that, you know, definitely excites me about having Breslow in, that he had that that experience working with Theo Epstein and the Cubs. um, And that apparently Theo came over and had some meet, like he's friends with Kennedy, the 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 president, and I don't understand all these titles, but the the Red Sox president um, and maybe influenced him toward Breslow. I don't know. I mean, it's not a tough sell, really. Uh, Breslow is um, brilliant. So he's, he's uh, many times he's been quoted, or not him quoted, other people have been quoted as saying that he was, is, has been the smartest guy in baseball. He's right. just super smart. He um, studied molecular biophysics and biochemistry at Yale. More transferable skills. So there we go. Both his parents were teachers, which of course endears me to him. And he turned down, he wanted to go to med school. And actually when he was growing up, and I forgot to copy and paste this part, I think. When he was growing up, um, so I'm going completely on memory, so definitely fact check me here if it happens, folks. Uh, His younger sister, I believe, had cancer. And, and that shaped him as an adolescent to want to be a doctor, to to want to, you know, cure cancer someday. So he was really on that path, but he had the baseball thing going at the same time. So he turned down med school, but he, for a while, sort of kept it hanging, like, maybe I'll go back to that. And then apparently didn't because the baseball thing worked out pretty well, but it was a really long time. So he struggled in the beginning. He was drafted in 02 by the Brewers and released in 04. And then, you know, just had to work his way back. And never really saw himself, didn't understand what it would take to be a major leaguer, and said, it wasn't until I was playing baseball in the big leagues that I thought I could play baseball in the big leagues. Uh, So it was a tough chip chip to get there, but he did it instead of med school. So he played, I think it was seven different teams that he pitched on. He was mostly a relief pitcher. And uh, when he was, I think, with the A's with Dallas Braden, Braden said, Breslow knows everything. I seriously want to be Craig Breslow when I grow up. 
and Red Sox manager John Farrell in 2013. So, you know, importantly for me, Breslow was part of the, the Red Sox 2000 word 13. Oh, man, I'm not even like one sip into my second beer and I can't talk. 2013 World Series team that won. So that's a good thing. And he was a key part of the, the bullpen at that time. So John Farrell, though, um, said Breslow uses words in a normal conversation that I'm not used to. <laughs> so like he didn't. Does that say more about Breslow or, or more, more about, about Farrell? <laughs> Farrell. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> to give him points, Sam Kennedy uh, about the hiring said what truly distinguished him, where, and this is, you know, as opposed to the, the conspiracy theory saying that he had the job from the get-go, but what truly distinguished him were the resounding character references from former teammates, including... David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, David Ross, Brock Holt, and Kevin Euclid, who are all like former Red Sox players near and dear to my heart. For sure. Super, lots of, lots of respect for them. Um, there are comparisons, actually, mentioning Chris Young with respect. Uh, there are comparisons between the two because they're both former pitchers. Um, Chris Young went to Princeton, so they're both former Ivy Leaguers, so smart guys who know pitching. And Chris Young was hired in 2020. Right. And now he's in the World Series, maybe going to win in 23. So that's three years. Right. So uh, we're hiring what it's 23 right now. But I think 2020, it was like a wacky year. So I'm going to give it two years. I'm calling the Red Sox winning the World Series in 2025 right now. And uh, you can you can hold me to that. But that's my that's my prediction. If all goes according to plan. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just going to note that we are on our second beer mm-hmm. when you're making these these decisions about these predictions, but that's okay. I, I, I think that that's based on, um, you know, good right. good bones, good good reality there. So the last, so the, I think Breslow has sort of like the three ideal characteristics, right? So he, smart, he's a pitcher, and Red Sox have been struggling with pitching, so hopefully he'll get that into shape, but also he knows Boston. Because he played with the Red Sox in 2006 and then again from, shit, I didn't write it down. I think it was 12 to 15. Um, but grew up in Connecticut, so New england and and still lives or currently lives and I guess teleworked when he was with the Cubs in Newton, Massachusetts, which is outside of Boston. It's kind of like the Bethesda of the Boston, greater Boston area is how it would, if anybody knows DC, so Newton is like Potty the Bethesda. Potty Mouth has a reluctant expression <laughs> on her face when she says that, because that, that part is not necessarily <laughs> a plus, but it, it does provide excellent context. There we go. All right. I'm all about the context. We didn't tell you what we're drinking. We started oh, with right. a beer called Pillsbow Baggins, <laughs> right. which actually has a charisma score, uh, from Crooked Crab Brewery in Od- Odenton, Maryland. And we ha- we finished that. So we split beer. So it's not yeah, really our they're, second they're beer. Small. It's our second split beer. Now we're drinking the flagship IPA from Black Flag Brewing, which I think we have talked about before on this show, which, which is uh, was Columbia, Maryland. Yeah, I guess both of them are Halloween thematic because, you know, Bilbo Baggins would be an appropriate Halloween costume. This one has a big skull on it. Sure. It's, yeah. Sure. And none of them would, would violate any of the guidance put down by the Screen Actors Guild. So <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Right. Well, although Bilbo, where is it? Where, now, mm. who owns the Hobbit? Right. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Let's talk about Dusty Baker. <laughs> oh, please do. I love Dusty. Does anyone not love Dusty? I see. What a guy. Honest to God, people who really still abhor the Astros, that may or may not be me, mm-hmm. were always like forgiving the, yeah, but Dusty. Right. Like he was the saving grace. I, I don't think anyone really has a bad word to say about him. As Patty Mouth said, he announced Thursday his retirement after 26 years as a manager. So he played for years before that mm-hmm. and then had this extraordinary career with five teams six i think five teams since then what he said was the reason he went into managing was advice from his dad he said oh. I, I was kind of mad at the world when i got through playing mm. he said like a lot of african-americans and latin players there aren't jobs really i was Oof. going to go home and then my dad told me after all the people you've met it's not up to you to take with you and and possess what they gave you it's up to you to pass it on to somebody else so that's what I've tried to do, which amazing. And again, 26 years of that. With his retirement, that leaves Dave Roberts as the only black manager currently mm. in Major League Baseball. So those teams in need of managers, can you please widen your net yes. and not just look at the usual suspects? Thank you. Please. Um, Dusty's son, Darren Baker, is in the minor league system with the Nationals. 
So there were oh. jokes before about he managed against his son, yeah. you know, at, at various, like in, in, in spring training games and all of that. And so he did say, one thing I'm going to miss is Darren being my roommate in spring training. <laughs> he said, and he's going to miss those free meals from me. He does want to stay in baseball, but he wants oh. to take a little break. He wants to watch Darren play for a while. He wants to chill for a while. Oh. But he wants to come back. He doesn't know what that role is going to be yet. Part of me is like commissioner of baseball. But the rest of me is like, he's got to be with the players. He needs to be in a place where he is working with the players, not working with the owners. Because that's where I think he would make the most difference. And continue to make the most difference is Mm -hmm. relationships with players. But immediately he says, first, I'm going to go home and talk to my daughter, who thinks Ah. she's my mother. (laughs) Spend some time with my grandkids. And let the Lord tell me where to go and what to do with my life. Wow. So he says, this is a see you later. It's not a goodbye. I'm very happy we're going to have Dusty Baker around a little bit more. And who knows, maybe we'll bump into him at Nats Park sometime. Oh, that would be great. We were so sad when he left the Nationals. I just feel like maybe you could smack some sense into the owners. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And he did say, you know, he, he'd really wanted to um, check the box of winning two World Series is, 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 and he was hoping this was going to be. But he really does believe that had he not been relieved of his job with the Nets, they still right. they would have won and it would have been under his leadership. But you can't, you know, he knows you can't you know, do the what ifs anymore. Right. But that but it, he's not waiting around. I'm glad he got his ring. I'm just For so glad sure. he got his ring. For sure. Let's do a thing. So I I really hope, you know, I feel like I'm going to just chug the rest of this beer before I go into this because um, my first thought here was I really hope that Dusty doesn't go to Dubai. (laughs) And Mm. more on that in just a moment. You can't can't see Darren play from there. Right, right. So he's not going to be enticed by this mess. And my second thought here is, man, I'm putting my international relations degree to work here with our baseball podcast. I just, I don't know how many of you have seen the news about Baseball United. And I'm feeling very mixed. So I think I'm going to be like processing this as I speak. So maybe you can like let me know uh, which direction we should be going with this. It's a new league in the Middle East, including the Indian subcontinent. And their mission is something that we support, Grow the Game. Their mission is to inspire a billion new fans to fall in love with baseball. And this is in an area that is enamored of cricket. Cricket is super big, especially in the Indian subcontinent. And cricket is connected to baseball. But I don't understand the fucking... Because you get cricket scores like 172 to 12. How does that happen? So the ownership group includes... And this is the 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 group of the league. So this... the one one of the many things that concerns me is there there are not many people involved in the league who are actually from this area. It's a very imported thing from the Middle East and the and, Indians. And exactly. Okay. Players and management. So the ownership group includes Barry Larkin, Mariano Rivera, Adrian Beltre, Felix Hernandez, and Ryan Howard. Like these are big baseball names going to Dubai to start a league. The majority owner and the guy who is kind of steering this ship, his titles include majority owner, president, CEO, and chairman of the board, Cash Shake, an international businessman. And if you look at his um, resume, he's done some big sort of multinational corporation kind of things. It's ba- I believe he's originally from there, and I, shit, I meant to look that up before here. He definitely has a lot of time working in this country, and I think he came up with this idea, and somehow there's a lot, there's got to be a shit ton of money behind there's this, money, yeah. and it's going to draw all of these people who already have a shit ton of money, so that's what like just kind of boggles my mind, to go out to Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, to play baseball. So there are four teams. They're, they're kicking it off with four teams. They definitely have plans to go bigger. But the four teams right now, two out of the four are based in the United Arab Emirates, which I learned a lot about looking this up. So the United Arab Emirates are actually seven emirates, seven states. But emirate is a it's a monarchy, right? It's, it's like it's not a democracy for sure controlled by one major monarch. It is also the third largest oil producer after Saudi Arabia and Iran, which is, I think, where um, this money is coming oh, from. for sure, yeah. You know? So uh, on the line of the United Arab Emirates, doing a little bit of research about them, and Amnesty International points out that uh, 
same-sex relations are illegal, illegal in the United Arab Emirates, man, second beer, Um, as well as saying anything about gender issues or same-sex relations in any school in the country. So right there, I'm thinking, is this a place where you really want to be basing I don't know. I mean, I'm all about growing the game, but this, it, it's just starting to feel a little itchy to me. It's a lot of oil money. It's pulling a lot of foreigners in, and it's based in a place that's a monarchy that is like criminally homophobic, which, you know, uh, yuck. Uh, so the other two countries that are involved right now with the four teams so two of them are in the UAE, one is based in Mumbai, India the Mumbai Cobras, and another one is based in Karachi, Pakistan, the Karachi Monarchs. So the Mumbai Cobras, and so this is the other thing I was thinking of. It's a new league. So are we supposed to pick a team that we're rooting for? So that's that's my question to you. Like, do we pick one of these four teams by the end? I have like a little bit of an idea of which one I definitely wouldn't pick, but the <laughs> Mumbai, the Mumbai Cro- Cobras have Barry Larkin as, and each team has an honorary GM. I couldn't find anything about an actual GM. Like, does this mean they actually work? Does this mean that they're just the title? There are a lot of really big names. So Barry Larkin, honorary GM of the Mumbai India Cobras with Robbie Ross and Andrelton Simmons on the team. Plus, actually, this one was the big news. Karan Patel, who is the first Indian-born person to be drafted in MLB. He was uh, on the drafted by the White Sox in, in 2019, spent a few years in minor league ball, got up to AA, but had a 4.86 ERA and was released after 22. So was not playing this year. But he was the number one draft pick by the Mumbai Cobras because that makes sense. Sure. Indian-born get picked by the Indian team. The other draft picks, though, you know, and he got picked before Andrelton Simmons, for example. The Karachi Pakistan Monarchs have Adrian Beltre, who I love and adore as their honorary GM. He just threw out the first pitch last night for the Rangers. Their manager is Miguel Tejada. They have Bartolo Colon. He's he's actually going to be uh, opening the the All-Star game pitching. And Jeremy Profar, Jerks and Profar's brother. So... That's Karachi. The Dubai Wolves, based in the United Arab Emirates, now that I can pronounce it, have Felix Hernandez, former Mariners pitcher, as the honorary GM. John McLaren is their manager. Didi Gregorius and Robinson Cano are on the team. Then there's the other team from the United Arab Emirates, which is the Abu Dhabi Falcons. Their honorary GM is Nick Swisher. My least favorite. He looks so goofy in the picture, too. Least favorite Yankees. Um... They have Pablo Sandoval, Rusne Castillo as two of their players. And I just wanted to mention Mitch Lively as well, who is uh, uh, one of on the brothers in the, in the Taiwanese team, Taiwanese league. And just a really lovely guy because he was also did some announcing for the CPBL for a while. So these are the like, names that are being brought like to go over to Dubai for I don't even I couldn't figure out how long it's going to be because it's starting pretty soon. There's got to be some major money thrown at these guys. Where's Trevor Bauer in all of this? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Because that, that's a this really has good got question. Trevor Bauer written all over it. Write right. that man a big honk of check, and you got a pitcher that no one else wants. That's true. So they said that the, the players, like 75% of the players are former MLB in some aspect. I don't think all of them made it to actual major level. Um there are some from from Japan, so that you know, Bauer went from here to Japan, so that totally makes sense. There are some from MLB from Mexico, some from Leadom, some from indie leagues, and then there's a few other scattered foreign nationals around, but very very few actual national nationals, like people from the countries. When I looked at the Baseball United webpage, also website, whatever the fucking thing's called, so I looked at the four teams, and then there was another level underneath where it said national teams that are involved with baseball united so this is uniting the middle east and um and south south uh, asia right so this kind of made me flash back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about how israel was playing in the european championship mm-hmm. right yep so um the the national teams involved in baseball united are afghanistan bangladesh india nepal pakistan palestine and sri lanka so I thought, huh, can you throw in Israel in with that group? 
it's not going to go over so well. But I, and then I also thought like, well, think about all these guys right now, these names that we just talked about that are involved in this league. And there's many more. I didn't list them all. And think about the guys that we talked about last week who made that pro-Israel, you know, anti-anti-Semitism uh, video. And, and I don't think there's any overlap. And I'm wondering if there's any conversation. Like, are any of these players close enough that they would ask, all right, I'm involved with this league. These are the guys who are in favor of Israel. It's it's really sticky and and politics and baseball. You know, once again, it's not you, like you said last week. It's not like a shut up and dribble thing, because this is a new league with a lot of MLB players supporting this new league. So us as MLB fans, where do we come down on it? And then I thought, so okay, India and Pakistan are both in this. And their history of, of war, continual war, mirrors a lot that of Israel and, and Palestine. Both of the countries, their borders, their, their existence started after World War II. And they were both occupied by the British. So here we go, international relations lesson for you all, or history lesson for you all. So the, you know, before Israel was, was Israel, it was the, the British mandate. Um, which happened after World War One, when the Ottoman Empire left and there was this hole, and so the British took it over. And then after World War Two, Jews needed some place to go, and so it independentized as Israel. But when the Brits left, they kind of drew these borders. The UN had had a hand in it as well, drawing these borders that didn't don't make sense. I mean, if you look at West Bank and Gaza Strip, they're two sides. Of if you're talking about one people on two sides of the country, and then if you throw in the Golan in the top, it doesn't make sense. And same with in, uh, India and, and Pakistan, when the Brits left, you know, kind of pushed out by by Gandhi and his bunch. Definitely after World War II, though, it was pre it was almost the same year. Wait, let me yeah, India and Pakistan forty seven, Israel Palestine forty eight, that the countries became independent from Britain, and then both cases right afterwards had war over territory. Um, Mr. Pottymouth pointed out to me that with the with the India-Pakistan conflict, I mean, there is religion behind is a thing, but the the there's a big territory grab. Like the, there's Kashmir, which is the territory between both that they continue to fight over. Whereas, I don't know, Israel's a lot more complicated in a lot of ways, but the, the level of violence between India and Pakistan has been astounding. So the, my bottom line is, if India and Pakistan can come together over baseball, maybe this could be a key to peace in the Middle East overall. Like bring I did not see that. <laughs> so that's 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 kind of my take did on not this. See that yeah. Thing. Yeah. So I'm thinking if they were to put out the olive branch, so to speak, and invite Israel to this league. Then it would be on Israel when they turn it down, which they probably will. But it would be on them to sort of be like, you know, <laughs> maybe you should be trying a little bit harder. Um, but it could be really, I, I don't know, that would be amazing. And that would make me feel a lot better about this league based in this, you know, problematically country. So, so yes, and oh my God, wow, to yeah. all of what you just said. But I will point out that there aren't going to be a lot of homegrown players right. available to be on these teams, which is what the sort of stated point is yeah. of this league, which is, in fact, to grow the game. And not and when you create baseball fans, you're also creating baseball players. Because yep. you see the game, you like the game, you want to learn how to play that game. So I'm hoping that the idea is to seed these teams mm -hmm. in such a way that people will go to the games, learn to love these games, and then end up replacing those folks as we teach, you know, as there's little leagues, right. as there's, you know, feeder teams to get nationally born players yeah. into those ranks. Yeah. And it, right now it does, I, I'm looking at this and the, and the way you're describing it, it does sort of scream, well, we've got oil money and mm -hmm. here's a, here's a money grab. Yeah. We can do this. Yeah. I'd like to learn more. I absolutely agree with all of the concerns about the human rights violations. Right. I will throw out there that the United States has capital punishment. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, absolutely. Some states, right. Right. Yes, absolutely. And also, so if if it's not as bad as we think in right. like the forming of it, right. then I think where you ended up with that 
is good and it's right. It's like maybe baseball is a way Mm -hmm. to get past or separate from these things in a way to build community and build relationships and and create something that's separate from all of that horrifying stuff that maybe grows enough to start pushing that horrifying stuff away. Well, in which case, you know, we have to stop the hypocrisy in in sort of blocking Cuba out of a lot of the tournaments, you know? So if it's okay to deal with the United Arab Emirates, then it's got to be okay to deal with Cuba if you're talking baseball. Before before you get to that next part there, Mm -hmm. I just want to say one thing. When I was looking at my notes, I thought that me citing Barbie and Miss America were going to be like the most... Most non-baseball things, and then you said Ottoman Empire. Yeah, like all right, there we go. Pencils down. We have a winner. We have a winner. All right, go ahead. So, if you want to watch, or if you want to keep track of this new league, I think it's very amusing that they are putting their cart way before the horse, and they are starting with the All Star Game. So, before the season, before any teams actually play as teams, they are splitting all the like superstars, like all the big names, into two teams. United East and United West. Each of those teams seems to be randomly mixed with players from all four teams. And they're having like a two-day all-star game party where they're playing each day. So I don't know how you figure out who actually wins the game. But there is going to be um, big fan fest fun for four hours before the gates open. If you want to go to Dubai, you can get online and get your tickets. They're actually pretty reasonable. And the... the, the, um, Stadium itself looks pretty small. Like it looks like there isn't a bad seat. So for thirteen bucks, thirteen seventy five. All right, you can get an outfield box, thirty nine oh one. I don't know why oh one. That's a really weird number. You can get a gold box, which is just a little closer. Currency in. exchange. All right, that's that is a very good answer. That is actually probably the cr- absolutely correct answer because fifty five eighty five. You get the diamond club, but then so I'm thinking like these are all especially by U S standards. These are really reasonable so are they just trying to get people to spend that money on the flight over there and then you can get into the park really really easy but for a mere 1374.90 you can watch the game on the field and this like cracks me up so mr potty mouse first thing was like well are they screened in like how do they protect from like foul balls and shit they are like literally they have cabanas v vip so not just vip but very very important people Field cabanas that run parallel to the two baselines, which just screams like they've got to be bulletproof or something. Well, then you also have to like also work as like the ball boy or ball girl, right? right. You have to like <laughs> chase down the foul balls and yeah. throw them into the stands. I'm just picking, p- picturing these these people in these like sort of bubbles on like lounge chairs with margaritas or whatever and, and little umbrellas and... I want to watch baseball from a bubble with a margarita and umbrella, but not from the field because I value my various <laughs> body parts. Do not care to have them yeah. bruised, especially by, you know, 99 mile an hour right. balls off the bat. So I hope I did that justice. Wow. And nobody nobody complained too, too much last week after my Israel-Palestine um, a uh, little bit of a discussion. So here we go. You know, see, please, corrections department is wide, wide open. Yeah, this is way new. So we <laughs> do not know where this is going to go. So yeah. thank you, Potty Mouth, for waving this in front of us so we know to pay attention to all this Shiny and thing. see how it turns out. Boy, am I going to change the subject. <laughs> good. That's so good. We have joked, many have joked about the Phillies and their jerseys that are unbuttoned. And we have noted in the past that Nick Castellano has one button open, but it looks like more. Mm-hmm. For instance, I now have learned because of Kelsey McKinney, who did a deep dive, did investigative journalism for The Defector, the story behind the, the button situation. Huh. So the collective bargaining agreement, the CBA for the for baseball players, actually says how you can wear your jersey. There are rules. Like, you know, the sleeves have to be a certain length. You know, you can't be untucked on purpose. You can't, like, cut off the bottom of the jersey so it's untuckable or whatever. You also cannot unbutton the buttons below the team logo. So there's, like, a stopping point. You can't, like, you know, be, you know, flapping wide open or whatever. (laughs) If I may say flapping wide open. So Kelsey's watching. She swears it's in the... Um, in, in service of investigative journalism, looking at lots of photos of Nick, Nick Castellanos and others who have unbuttoned their jerseys and noticed sure. that in some cases there looks like there's a stitch below the second button, like preventing more oh. buttons. And if you notice, 
Nick Castellanos does in fact have like the buttons open, but he does he always looks sort of like neat. Whereas some others, um, is it Rojas, who's uh, the center fielder, has all the unbuttons, but his like jersey is like flapping around. <laughs> there are different jerseys. Oh, there are. There is something called a faux front jersey that you can, as a player, you can special order, which is like a quarter zip. Like the top two buttons work, and the rest of it's a pullover, like a soccer jersey. Huh. And this is an individual choice? Yes, an individual choice. And Kelsey, like, tried to find somebody at Major League Baseball to talk about this. None of the Phillies hmm. wanted to talk about this with her. Really? And was told that fewer than, like, 20 players in all of Major League Baseball wear these faux front jerseys. It looks like about a third of them are on the Phillies. Huh. So she tried to figure out where this came from. Right? Who started it? They're like, there's like no evidence of this before 2019. But in 2019, so oh, so she's like trying to figure out who to talk to. And apparently uh, Nick Castellano's wife answered her and said that when Nick was on the Cubs, that Jason Hayward had one and said, hey, these things exist, right? That's also when Kyle Schwarber apparently wore one. So ah. it doesn't mean that you're one of those guys that wants to unbutton your jersey because Schwarber doesn't usually do that. Trey Turner sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. But it's like the it's comfortable, it's the style, whatever. <laughs> so we've got Jason Hayward, we've got Kyle Schwarber, and that's where Nick Castellanos got it in 2019. Reese Hoskins with the Phillies was one of the first players in Major League Baseball to wear one of these. That was ah. also in 2019. He was definitely the first Phillies player to wear one. So right now, Nick... Trey, Alec Bohm, Kyle Schwarber, JT Realmuto, and plus um, a relief pitcher, Jeff Hoffman, for sure are all wearing these faux front jerseys. And um, outside of the Phillies, um, Nathaniel Lowe is oh. currently wearing one of them. What do all of these players have in common? They're all baseball boyfriends. They're all baseball boyfriends. So, except for the pitcher, of course. Except for the pitcher, who can't be a boyfriend. But otherwise, isn't that remarkable that all of the players who wear these jerseys that allow you to unbutton the top two <laughs> buttons without looking, you know, not put together, are all right. people that we have in the past selected as baseball boyfriends. I, I have not noticed that my baseball boyfriends have buttons unbuttoned. I, well, absolutely. But it's not just having the buttons unbuttoned. It's it's like caring about, you know, their their, yeah. their comfort, but also their look in such a way to like special order this jersey that only about 20 Major League Baseball players have. How about that? Heard, wow. heard it here second if you well, read The Defector. And it's and it's interesting that it's that big of a chunk on the Phillies that like that has gone through. You know, so peer pressure well, or, or peer or, or role modeling. There you, you go. You can go that that's, way too. Let's well, go we, peer. Let's go role modeling. I, mean, I like that. You've got like if, if Reese Hoskins, yeah. you know, veteran, right? And then you've got Castellanos has been around for a while and Schwab has been around for a while. And then the younger guys are, you know, they're learning. Yeah. They're learning many things, right? Including the faux front jersey. Oh my faux God. Front. Faux, faux front. front. I like that. I hope, I hope Lowe passes that along with other Ranger friends. Uh, I'm going to end with a, just a quick tra- cross-training because I just saw this little piece that Canada has a new stamp honoring Willie O'Ree, who I had never heard of that name before. And it turns out that he was the first player to cross, as, as they say, cross the color line for hockey. So he was NHL's first black player, and he played for the Bruins in 1958. His number was retired by the Bruins last year, and there was a big um, celebration for him, which I also missed. Embarrassment. Sorry, Dad. Uh, and uh, what, what struck me was at the time when he spoke for his uh, number retirement party, he said, I will never forget how my teammates in Bruins locker room accepted me as one of their own. This was a time when some of the fans and opposing players were not ready to see a black man in the NHL. So for context, uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color line in MLB with the Dodgers in 1947. So over 10 years before then, Um, the Red Sox, famously the very last team to integrate, was in 1959, a year after the Bruins did, which I just kind of found fascinating and that Boston as a city has gotten a lot of shit for being the last team to integrate, deservedly so. You know, that's that's abhorrent. But what it says is that Yaki, the owner at the time, and luckily they changed the name of the street that was named after him, he was horrible. But one person does not represent the city, right? And so that I'm, I'm happy and relieved to see that my hometown did good in hockey. So, yay. Did you want to say the words Pumpsy Green? Because I want you to say Pumpsy oh, Green. Oh, yeah, Pumpsy Green. Yeah, Pumpsy Green. You. That's a, I mean, a, you should have... 
gotten gotten the job a lot earlier just because it was a cool name. Yeah, Pumsy Green with the Red Sox integrated in 1959. Yeah. Hey, so it's Halloween week. So um, if you want to follow the SAG rules and not be and, and not have your kids be eight-year-old scabs, be careful about what you wear. But, you know. You know, I thought that you were yelling at a kid who had like a diamonds back hat, hat on or something. Saying, I would have muttered quietly right. to myself. Yeah. And again, it's not the players. Right. The right. players don't make those travel decisions. Although yeah. they could have probably stopped and said, hey, no, I'm not going. So, yeah. yeah. So maybe that's another like youth don't know better. They need to be. Educated. Educated. Were you going to go with educated? Yeah, Yeah, you sure were. You sure were. I hope you have a um, very fun costume planned and some exciting Halloween things to do. I am, I've got like a pizza and pizza and adult beverages evening plan with uh, throwing candy at little kids gently, not to knock them (laughs) over, but just to be a friendly neighbor for sure. Do you have Halloween plans? No, big plans. We got the old pretzels and popcorn that we we impose upon the children that my kid has, you know, complained about for their entire life has said, come on, give them candy. It's because you don't want chocolate. Yeah. And then we get, you know, there's leftovers so I can bring those little pretzel bags for lunch. So yeah, it's pretzels and popcorn here. Actually, that's not totally true. I caved. We went to the the food co-op and they had happy, you know, fair trade chocolates and we did get some of those. So I think those are going to be good costume, you know, rewards. You got a good costume, you get the fair trade chocolate. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's, How about a, that's, that? a, that's a tough bar. Well, sure. I, I had a good costume this weekend, so I want some of that chocolate before I leave today. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going off to watch Beetlejuice after we're done here because nice. I haven't seen that in over a decade. And it's time for that. Wow. So if you have opinions about what's going on with this whole Baseball United thing, if you want to chime in about who you're rooting for in the World Series and why, because you know we've, we've told you our opinions, please find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, or it's X, whatever, but whatever you put in there, it's NCIB Podcast, X, or Twitter. Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball, and you can throw us some money at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying and B-Ball, and just a little bit of pocket change will do, and it will keep this podcast going, and we will appreciate you lots. For sure, get your booster. The potty mouse just did. Send your game balls to Meredith. Fight the man is the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. This is a half of an and a half, which is only... It's not very much beer at all. Yeah, it's a short half and then another short half. Should we have gotten another beer to begin with? That's what I was thinking. Wow, there's still time. Or there's tech support. There's tech support. You you know, that way he can get his steps in because, heaven forbid, like he didn't walk for, you know... Right. Two well, miles there and back. Already, I, I, right? We were like 30 steps short of 10,000 when uh-huh. we got back. So I, you know, could make a dent in that if we have him bring. He would get. You are so thoughtful. 